podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kauza Show. I was taking a little time out and a little break from Liverpool, much needed, and um, I'm back, I feel fresh, and um, I just want to take this opportunity to give a massive thank you to um, Gags and Guy Drinkle, who have held down the post-match calling. They've done an excellent job, but guess what? The boss is back, taking back the hot seat, and joining me on this podcast, and what a way to come back as well, and big game, Arsenal, our little whipping boys at Anfield, certainly, and no different this time round. 4-0, thank you very much, and joining me on this podcast, I have two excellent guests. And some great callers. Normal services resumed. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest to you. I am honoured to have back on this Nina Kauza show, Guy Drinkle. Guy, welcome to the show. Oh, how are you doing? I'm good. It's good to be back. Thank you. Uh, thank good you for too. joining us. Uh, so yeah, we're going to enjoy this one a lot. And joining Guy Drinkle on this podcast, it's an honour to have on my good friend again. He was my emotional um, uh, support and crutch last season, I'm not going to lie. It's Mr. Dave Horrocks. Welcome back. We, we won. Hey there, Nina. It's great to have you back and can't wait to get our teeth into this one. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, let's kick this off then. Um, you know what? I think we've got a lot of callers lined up, so you know what? Let's go straight into it. And I am going to slide tackle into my first caller, Gags Tandon. Gags, you there? Welcome back, Nina. Great game to come back to after a loss for me on the last one. I I will be honest, I watched that game. uh, I watched it and I was like, I am so glad I am not hosting this. (laughs) I did get United game, though. You did. You did. (laughs) Like once in a lifetime game. So, but um, yeah, so they're kind of, um, you know, thinking each other out. Um, Good to be your first caller. And I just want to, you know, I just want to say when a manager is going to learn, you know, Lampard came over, started to kick off with Klopp, and then and then got hammered and humiliated. And now Arteta's turned up today, had a, had a bit of a go at Klopp, and then got battered and humiliated. When are managers going to learn, guys? When? What was Ollie's excuse then? <laughs> no, but he never, he never, he never came to Anfield and kicked off. With no, Klopp. this is true. He There's does only not. There's been fight. two that I've really tried to kick off yeah. with him at Anfield, and they both got absolutely hammered. It might be a North South, um, North South divide, you know. London managers in it getting a bit cocky. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, uh, that was just a bit of a joke. But I think the the Arteta, you know, a bit of a one-dimensional manager. He he came in with a plan, only had one plan, it seems, and um, unfortunately, he got well. Unfortunately for him, brilliant for us, he got absolutely humiliated. I thought they started well, but. Um, after that bit of a spat, you know, I thought, you know what, it was looking like a, a shit game for us until yeah. then. Um, I, I just want to know what 
you know, was it all down to that? Because I think it's a major part of the game and it would be such a, you know, a non-tactical, it's more of an emotional turnaround to a game. I just think it's a very interesting thing. Are we like the most emotional team in the league? Not in terms of bad emotional, but someone a team that needs that rocket. You know, that's the question to the panel. Is this team that we have, because... You know, the, the bad season under Klopp seems to coincide with no fans. It's actually a really good point because I felt like the fans kind of woke up at that instance as well. I mean, Guy, I'm going to come to you first on this one because emotion is a big thing. Jurgen Klopp is an emotional guy. Um, our fans are emotional. I think we certainly play up to that. And, you know, Gag's kind of highlighted that, you know, when we were absolutely dreadful, there were no fans to kind of aid and support the team. And... Um, when, when you know, it gets a bit, you know, fisticuffs and, you know, man just pull out their handbags. I mean, does that go the other way? Because at that point, it's also worth remembering it was nil-nil, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, we're, I think we're affected by, well, we're affected by the lack of crowd more than anyone else. And we obviously had good points whilst the fans weren't there. We were top till, what, January last year and... We well, we eventually won the league when fans weren't there, which kind of sad at the same time with the first title and stuff like that. But you, you look at the difference this season. I mean, we've not. I don't think we've quite reached the levels of them them two magnificent years when we got to ninety seven and ninety eight points, was it? But you look at you look at the game today, and you, and you say that incident where uh, Arteta got a bit bit too big for his booties. Um. It just livened up the crowd, and then you, you've seen it straight away in our performance, and you, it's literally instant. As soon as the crowd gets up, we're passing faster, we're running harder, we're running more into the box, it's more forward-thinking, because what, what time did we score? Out 30-odd mins? We just... Before that, it was very safe, and I think we were waiting for Arsenal to screw up, and from that moment onwards, we just went into overdrive and just kind of took the game from them and we never saw them again, apart from when they were creating chances for us because they were trying to dribble past everyone or their left-back was literally creating chances for us, which was great. But from that moment onwards, Arsenal were just simply not in the game and we took it to a new level. We certainly did. And Dave, I'm going to, I'm going to come to you because um, uh, speaking of last season, we covered a fair bit of those stinkers, naturally. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, it's it's good to see the fans in there. And I felt like, you know, before that, I thought Anfield was a bit quiet and I was a bit shocked because it's a 5.30 kickoff. It's Saturday, it's Arsenal. You kind of expect a little something from the crowd. And, you know, um, I didn't really get to see the full thing of what they turned fisty cuffs over, but, you know, they were ready to kick the crap out of each other. My money's always on Jurgen Klopp's Celia against Arteta. I mean, people are calling him Lego head. I think it was a Lego movie character. Yeah, Steve Pizza. Yep, Steve Pizza there calling him that. And, um, and Chris Singh there saying Arteta doing his best um, impersonation of Pep and the one at Anfield freaking out, you know, with the two fingers up. So, you know, people yeah. are just taking the piss. So, I mean, emotion and football, I mean, sometimes can it, like, it goes our way, but, like, can it, in some instances, can there be too much emotion in football and it can go sort of sideways as it has done for maybe Arsenal today? I don't think we're we're that affected by the emotion. We we like to think, you know, when when the crowd's roaring and stuff, that we're that twelfth man, and and we can really, you know, that counts for a goal or two. But I I think that kind of discredits a little bit how good this team is, and and 
I don't just mean this 11 on the pitch today, just the whole squad, you know, that Klopp's built over the last, you know, five plus years. I, I think emotion does come into it, but I, I kind of feel like the the loss of the crowds came with just being decimated by injuries. And so it's really difficult to separate those two things out. Um, but I, I tell you what, I've not been to the ground for a few years now. And I, 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 when Arteta, that blue-nosed little fucking overrated shitbag, was kicking off on the sidelines, I was wanting to be there. I was wanting to get up out of my chair and just shout at him. Um, so it, it did affect me emotionally, to be honest. And, you know, it lifted the crowd and everything because they were feeling exactly the same thing that I was feeling. And, you know, it did seem to blow up in his face. like. But, no, I think this team is much better than that to be purely kind of driven by emotion. What I do think is that we get an extra, you know, maybe one or two or maximum 3% out of that kick up the arse. But I don't, I don't think we're the only team like that. I think just sometimes momentum swings. And I think that that little blow up on the touchline there, by God, you'd fancy Klopp, wouldn't you? I mean, he, he was pissed off. And, and rightly so, I think, because the thing that triggered uh, Klopp was Arteta with the constant, you know, book him, book him. You know, that kind of Spanish thing of like, book him, book him. And he, he feeds that to all the players as well. So you could see why Klopp was annoyed. Um and yeah, I, I just think it, it, it worked in our favour. But to be honest, the way Arsenal were playing around with it at the back, I mean, it looks pretty when it comes off. But it sort of reminded me of that first season under Brendan Rodgers when, you know, he's asking Skirtle to kind of dribble it out from the back and, you know, play these intricate passing moves. And, oh, and don't, just, don't bring that up. It, <laughs> sorry. Sorry to bring back the old uh, war, war stories there. But... It reminds me of that where it's just like, look, I know it's not pretty, but sometimes you just have to get it away from the danger area. And so I thought it was a matter of time, to be honest, even though, you know, I didn't really see where the goal was coming from. I I thought we we were always going to beat them today. I love the confidence. So, you know what, before we go to our second call, because Gags has gone and we're speaking about Jurgen Klopp then, and we were kind of saying, you know what, this is like the highbrow football conversations that take place at my gaff. I had a lot of people, we watched it together. And we were talking about Jurgen Klopp, that kind of twats everyone in the Premier League. And we were looking at the hard nut managers. So, you know what, here's a question to you two, because I am like the world's best host. Uh, who is like the toughest manager in the Premier League? Uh, we, we thought about this long and hard. I kept saying clap, 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 and then then some names came into the Premier League, and I was like, I don't know, you know. So I'm gonna put it out there. I think Jurgen Klopp pretty much beats everyone. I was thinking Patrick Vieira, but I did see him kind of um, cower down to um, Roy Keane once. So he's kind of lost his hard man status there. I think Antonio Conte is the psychopath in the Premier League. If we're having a Royal Rumble, Sean Dyche and Klopp are the last two. That's the way it is. <laughs> so you know what? There was a Sean Dyche shout, actually. Not have Steve Gerrard in there? Nice to nice. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Sean Dyche is fuelled by Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> Sean I'm Dyche is two-footed anyone in the head. Yeah, he just I'm, is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm saying Antonio Conte. <laughs> both had a hair transplant they both got nothing to lose man they, them just going to rip the shit out of each other 
Yeah, it's a fair shout. I can't, I can't think of anyone. Uh, I mean, I, I don't miss him, but I mean, Fat Sam. I reckon he, he could probably handle himself, can't he? Big, big lads don't do well in the Royal Rumble. They always get, they get eliminated because they get teamed how, up. On. Depends how long it goes on for, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Pep, Pep Guardiola in a Royal Rumble setting will be one of them little cheeky bastards who gets right to the end. So he's just a snake. Teams yeah, he's up I mean, I don't really watch wrestling, and I'm, not, I'm trying not to digress because we've just won so amazing, but Pep Guardiola strikes me as the kind of guy that, you know, the little wrestling I've seen, you know the guys that pull at people's ankles and bring them down outside the ring? He's one exactly. of them. Exactly. Pep, Pep Guardiola is Ric Flair. Right. He he'll, is. he'll be right there at the end, you know, and he'll be doing all the complaints and everything. He'll be saying, they got me twice! And, uh, yeah, I, I, I reckon he's definitely Ric Flair. Anyone listening, give us your shouts. I mean, Lisa Marie um, LFC here on, on Discord just said Conte looks like he would hire someone to take you out. That's also <laughs> very true. <laughs> too, too fancy to do it themselves. He's, okay. he's hiring Big Sam. That's what he's, he's doing. <laughs> he's, he's hiring the big guns. Right, guys, uh, let's, let's, let's know who's, who's your hard man in the Premier League. We're going to move on to our second caller, and it's Nick Turner. Nick, are you there? Yeah, I am. Hi. Hi. How's it going? We're good, thank you. Uh, jolly good, yeah. So I, I I wanted to say a couple of things. Um, firstly, yeah, Nina, it's great you're back. It's not the Nina Kaiser show without Nina Kaiser hosting it. Um, no, no offense to Gags, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I've got a couple of points. Uh, firstly, let me just clear my vocal cords to say this: <clears throat> Watford four, Manchester United one. <laughs> Although it could be a sad day. Couldn't it? Is it a sad day. To be honest, because I mean, I yeah, can't see how be. Ollie makes it out of that one. And they're having a meeting as well in it, so it is pretty much writing on the wall for him now, in my opinion. Yeah, they get Brendan Rodgers though, so there you go. <laughs> so yeah, but um, but yeah, my main point, and it, it kind of leads on from Gags's point around the the sort of the fight, fight, fight between Arteta and Klopp, and it's uh, Sadio Mane. Um, I thought he was he was really uh, interesting today, especially in the first half. Uh, are we seeing a, a somewhat new Mane now, like a little bit more aggression and a bit more bite? I, I don't remember him being like this before, but he he really spiked that touchline kickoff um, between between Klopp and uh, and Arteta. But but he also got the goal and he went into a challenge later on in the first half quite aggressively, and I, I think they really got the game going today. Um, so, and, and as soon as we started scoring, I, I felt it was only going one way. But yeah, uh, Manny is, is he uh, is he somewhat rejuvenated now? Really interesting because, like, I was watching that, and I'll come to you first, Dave, because um, I like this is why I love football because people see things differently. But I initially thought. Oh, Mane, uh, on the left-hand side, I was getting a little bit frustrated with him and Timmy Cass. Not in a frustrated in that all oh, sub them off, but I was like, it's just not quite clicking. You know, like there's, there's, and, and I, was, I was also aware, even though I've not been watching a lot of football, that Mane had an injury um, on international duty or, or he picked up a knock. Uh, I think it was to his ribs or something. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe that was a reason for it. But I felt like he got that goal and then he kind of kicked on for me. Yeah, I think before the goal, he really blew hot and cold for me. I, I thought mm. he, he's always going to be, you know, he's just class, isn't he? So he's he's never going to have a really stinker uh, of a game. 
but I thought he was. I don't know until you know, to last year. <laughs> but you know, uh, no, no, he, like he missed a few chances, but he's always there to to be there for the chances. I think the, uh, he'd do something good. You know, he always takes the ball well. He's always looking to you know fool the the defender to go one way, then the other. But then some he'll do something like that, and then he he'd pass it. You know, he set Arsenal away with just a really sloppy pass in that first half. So it it was a real one or the other game I felt for Mane up until that goal. But I was I tell you what, I was so delighted when he did get that goal because I thought up to that point I almost thought like Klopp Klopp's got to take him off here. And I don't know if it's one of those things where because of what happened against Atletico Madrid. If Arteta's gone in there to say to the players, like, get at Mane, you know, you, you can get at him. And they seem to be niggling away at him. And then when he came through with that kind of scissor challenge, I thought, oh, this, his head has gone a little bit here. He, he didn't need to do that. The ball was even out of play. And he, he didn't even take the man out. If you're going to do that, take the man out. So I, I thought they did get to him a little bit. So the goal came at a perfect time that just kind of, you know, removed that negativity that was maybe in his head. So I don't, I don't necessarily think this has changed his whole mindset. I just don't think he... I, I think he was having a, a patchy game up until that goal. Interesting. And, and Guy, I'll come to you with the same question because for me, one thing that... I see it in short bursts. I don't see it an awful lot anymore. But one thing that we loved about Sadio Mane was the pace, you know? And I feel like mm. I don't know what's going on. But to me, I feel like he's not as pacey as what he was. And that's quite normal because players age. So you will see a natural regression and you will see a little bit of burnout. And, you know, he, he does blow hot and cold with his form. And it was great to see him sort of kick on from that goal and actually have more of an input in, into the game. But, like... I don't know. Like, I'm sat there thinking, like, does Jurgen Klopp maybe use him a bit differently? Like, is he going to be more of a central kind of player? And, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts. Yeah, I think the cent- playing as a central player seems to have slowly developed into his game, probably, obviously, through Klopp and by himself. I think 17, 18, well, the first three years of him, he, I wouldn't say he was a pace merchant, but I think he was, pace was one of his biggest weapons. He was obviously much better at finishing um, probably since Moore came in and then they decided, we'll just have a competition between each other for the rest of the time. Um, so as soon why as... what well, Exactly, why not? But as soon as um, as soon as his finishing went up, probably post-Coutinho, um, it, it, I think he became much more well-rounded, whereas now, I do agree, I think he's become a lot more conservative in, in, in his use of pace, of course, Especially, probably his first year, sixteen seventeen. I mean, we played Arsenal. I'm sure everyone remembers the Arsenal game where he was basically just torturing them with with pace every time he touched the ball. Yes. Like even even running from like his own half at times. Basically, I, I don't think Man is that type of player anymore. But what is he? Twenty nine now, nearly thirty, I think. Um, so he's obviously the latter end of his peak. You'd probably say. Um, but think, I think that. Uh, sorry to cut across you, guy, but like. In today's game, at mm. twenty nine, do you really think he's past it? Or, or well, know, I don't know. I don't know, know how. I don't know how much he played at um, Salzburg. Yeah, yeah. And was it Met he was at before? I think it was. So it probably depends on then, because I think I think you see people peak earlier nowadays, but I'm not sure if that means the peak, uh, the 
the age quicker as well because not everyone's mm. Wayne Rooney. Um, but he has he has. We have to remember he has played games the season. It's more about so. how they look after their bodies now. I think. No, I, I agree. I just think yeah. rather than being an explosive player, maybe he uses it in spurts, as Nina was saying. Mm. Yeah, I thought because... Ford did say, did you not see him run away from Ben White um, for the more goal, mm-hmm. you know, the assist? And, uh, well, um, yeah, that's exactly what we're getting at, Asher. But the fact that it's not a constant thing, it's like um, he he kind of uses it. I don't think it's his. Ma- I don't think it's his main weapon anymore. I think that's what we're kind of saying. Mm. Yeah, but great of you to bring that up as well. Yeah, so yeah, but it's it's great to see. I, I mean, I love the fact that he opened opened the goal scoring me. You know, Sadio Mane. Mm-hmm. I think everyone here. It goes without saying. I think everyone here absolutely loves Sadio Mane, and we love to see that. And there's nothing worse than seeing Sadio Mane have a bad game. <laughs> okay, who is that? Please mute. That is Cam and Cole. Okay, uh, just give us a second, Cam. That's our second caller. Like, spoiler alerts, everyone. I'm just going to go back to Nick. I'll let him have his final thoughts and then I'll come back to you. Uh, Nick, we're going to come back to you. We'll let you have the final thoughts and then we'll get on to some eager pitch side reporters. Hey, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I don't want to take up too much time because obviously they're desperate to get on. So, yeah, no, I think what you said is fair. And I think what um, I think at the end of the day, Manny had a good game. He scored yes. a goal. And, of course, he, he played in the assist for Salah as well. Yes. So, yeah. FPL points for me. What a bomb. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. All right. Uh, speak to you later. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Uh, before we go to our second caller, Guy, uh, just give me a bit of a spoiler alert. I've been a bit away from football. Have you improved in um, uh, fantasy football? Or are you still really, really rubbish? How, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Leading the witness, Your Honor. <laughs> I'm going to check. I'm going to check this live because I was doing well. Cheeky cow. How is No, I always thought you were dead crap at like uh, fantasy. I'm, se- I'm second in the AI contributors league. Oh, okay, okay. There's me just walking. Yeah. How dare you? Normal services resumed. You know what? And you know what? This is a perfect time for me to go to our next callers. Cam, oh, how's your please... FPL, Nina? I don't have one. Uh? Cam, Harinda, take me out of this hot spot. Where are you? Oh, no way. Are they... Oh, they're on mute now, are they? Dell's beating me on FBI. Yeah. Just pull over this plenty of space. Yeah, it's like, can't take Cam anywhere. And they're on. Kind yeah, of. <laughs> and he's got a bloody Hello Kitty doll with him, for God's sake. Yeah. It's supposed to be mine. And he says to his daughter, Oh, sorry, we're live. Hello. You're live. Hi. Hi. We have a surprise for you. A surprise? His name's Dan Kennett, not Dan Rhodes. Dan <laughs> Kennett. Hello, guys. Hi. I've got a question for the panel, Nina. Go for it. Right. Is Arsenal at home our easiest home game every season? I'm not going to lie. I don't sweat it, even with Roberto Firmino being out. I mean, Guy, I'll come to you. Depends who Man United hires the next manager. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. You beat me to it there. <laughs> Four goals is not for everyone, unless they're being scored against you. It's just that they make it so easy, guy. They just, their setup just makes it so easy, and they never change. 
isn't it? And they spent 50 mil on Ben White to fix this problem and they made it worse. It's great. <laughs> it's difficult to think of anybody who's an easier team for us to play against at Anfield, isn't it? Bournemouth. Oh, yeah, Bournemouth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, Eddie, um, Eddie just said there, um, Eddie Howe's back at Newcastle. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they might be the new whipping boys. It could, they could be, but to be fair, from a pitch side kind of perspective, today was awesome. Until the first half hour, you could kind of forget. But after that, as soon as Klopp and Arteta decide to have handbags, they're fucking brilliant. Yeah, like proper turbo. Do you remember a year, a couple of seasons ago, when Firmino sat three defenders on their ass and scored a goal? The first thing that Ian Wright said was like, "Why did you make Liverpool angry? Don't make them angry." That's the first thing that went through my head when Klopp and Arteta started having an argument. And I was like, "They thought, like, you know what? They're going to destroy these guys. It's going to be brilliant." It was only one nil at half time. I was like, "Oh fuck's sake!" Like, we, I hope to God we wake up and this just shit just just changed into something else. And obviously, second half, very nice Hogia program. This has been a fantastic week from a personal and professional perspective, not only for myself but also for the head honcho of AI. It's been a great day. We've got to see you, Nina. I've got yeah. to see Cam. I've got to see Dan Kennett as well, which I never expected to see the male model himself again. <laughs> so much so, you've kidnapped him, right? You're taking him back. He seats the car. All off. Lego head has lost at Liverpool. It's fucking <laughs> brilliant. I've got nothing else to say. I'm, you know, most Arsenal United fans that I, I am friends with are going to be avoiding me for a very long time. I don't know why. Have hope. What was it? Which one? Have hope for that little snippet. Oh, we got hope. We got yes. hope. Oh yeah. <laughs> my my friend will never be listening to this podcast in a million years. But shout out to Sukhvir Kalon, who's a Man United fan from the Midlands area, who who bravely bravely went to United, and when they scored a goal that was called offside, went, "Yay, we got one. We got hope." You got a hope? No, you fucking haven't, mate. You got fucking nothing. <laughs> Sorry to say, unfortunately, you've got nothing. And probably by the end of the day, you're probably not even going to have a manager. If only Arsenal could do the same. They play United in a couple of weeks, so that might be easy. Who? Arsenal. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but easy for who? We'll see on the day. We'll see on the day. Cam, what have you got to say about the game? Did you enjoy yourself? You're enjoying a massage right now. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm getting a massage on a heated seat. Does life get any better? Um, I mean, uh, the day has been fantastic, uh, as Badi has just said. Um, um, it was fantastic to meet, be with two of my most favourite people in the world. It, it was an added bonus to be with the, the male model, as Badi has said, Mr. Dan <laughs> Kennett himself. Stop. You know, he... he he, he seriously, for for somebody who, who's approaching nearly 60 now, to still look like he's 20 it is something that, you know, only a privileged few get to see. So, um, if they still had X Factor, they'd make him part of a boy band. <laughs> yeah, very much, very much. No, um, the game was, um, I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it? Um, to say the least, um, we, we, me and Dan were saying throughout the game, we just couldn't figure out what was Arsenal's approach to the game? I mean, obviously they had they they had the back four. The fullbacks weren't offering anything in in an attacking sense whatsoever. They had the two uh, sitting midfielders who were obviously trying to protect the back four, and then they just seemed to have four players up front who weren't involved in the game whatsoever. And it, and for the first half an hour, it was like 
we said straight away, it's all about control. We're not going gung-ho. Um, we're, we're being very methodical in our approach to the game today. And, and to a point, I really like that from what we've seen recently because it, I want us to control games again. I don't like this business where we, we're letting games, you know, we, we, we're getting into the lead. We're, we're looking like we're going to be really good. We're looking like we're going to go ahead, but we've seen that vulnerability in our game when teams have come at us. And obviously Arsenal didn't really come at us today. So it's not so easy to judge whether, you know, we would have still had that vulnerability. But I think having Thiago there in the middle alongside Fabinho made a huge, huge difference to the way we played and approached that game today. And um, once we got the the goal and then um, once we got the second goal from what was awful, awful from Arsenal, and they'd been warned a, a couple of minutes prior to the second goal that they can't do this. They, you know, they're going to get punished for it. And they did get punished for it. And it was just, it was a stroll in the park. Second half, it was like, yeah. it, what were we saying about 65 perfect, minutes, perfect wasn't game, it? Wasn't it? We perfect. said we could, if, if we could just carry on playing like this for the next 25 minutes and just see the game out with, with no pressure on us whatsoever, it'll be ideal. And it was pretty much that in the end. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it's just, it's just a great day all round, isn't it? And um, um, isn't it great, a great feeling when we win a game and, you know, we're all happy and joyous and there's no negativity in our minds whatsoever. So, no, great, great result. Great, great football. Some great goals. Um, uh, the Minamino goal, was a, I thought, was a fantastic goal. Oh, fantastic team goal. It was beautifully worked. Everything about it was just a joy. And I was so happy for Minamino because I said in the the AI pod in the in the midweek that I think Minamino's got a role to play for us going forward, um, especially with Afcon coming up in December. He's going to be quite an important player for us. So for him to come off the bench and score with straight away, and he's his movement is a joy. You know, he's just he just drops off the defenders, sits in between the in in that line and that half space, and it's great. So yeah, great day. Love it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my pitch talk. No, enjoyed it. Well, those were our pitch side reporters. And have have a safe journey home, guys. I mean, let's talk about this. Nina, one one final thing for me. I just think um, one thing I liked was um, it it just, the game to me, our setup and our approach told me that Klopp and the backroom team have Done some thinking over the international break, and and maybe uh, maybe looked at what had been happening because it was a, it was chalk and cheese with a lot of the other games we played this season, um, and I thought that was really t- I thought it was really good to see. Nice. Um, do you want to elaborate on that? What 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 changes do you think they've made? Do you think they've told the players to be a bit more conservative <laughs> in terms of holding holding in the energy? I mean, do you want to elaborate on that, Dave? Well. Yeah. I, I, just, I just, <laughs> I just thought that um, the first, um, the first half an hour, it, it, it was cagey, but we were, we were trying to draw them onto us, and they weren't committing, and we weren't committing, and we were not. It was almost like, remember that quote, quote after the West Ham game where Jurgen said he didn't like the fact that we were pushing too hard too early to try and get the go-ahead goal, um, and it, this game was the complete opposite. It was, it was keep going, keep going, don't take any risks, and don't turn the ball over in dangerous areas. And then, and then, which we, just, we did it a couple of times. Yeah, just, yeah but yeah. Even, even then, it was a bit higher up the pitch. It was higher. It was yeah, the, on the halfway line. So, and, and just try to and just wear it down. And in the end, towards about you know 
35 minutes and 40 minutes, we started having a couple of chances and then we get the breakthrough and then we just go on and it, win at a canter. So I, I, I just thought it was nice that it was... A, it, I don't think it was by accident, put it that way, Nina, the, 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 the way we started the match. I want to get your thoughts on this as well, because obviously I was watching it from home, but at no point, even at nil-nil, was I stressed out at that game. Was that the same feeling in the, in, in the stadium for you guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was no, there was no, nobody getting angsty in the crowd no, at all. Not at all. Not, definitely not. <gasps> yeah, or anything like that. It was a bit muted. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, yeah we touched on that. No. I think it, it, did, it did lash it down just before the match. So I think that, that might have to do something with it. <laughs> yeah, Every, we did get a bit wet outside. Yeah, didn't we? just a bit. Rain in my beard. I'm telling you, rain is not, <laughs> not good. Not good. But anyway, no. um, I just want to let Dan Kennett know that Dell has either gotten really smart or Dan has dumbed down because you have literally just stolen Dell's point. He was going to call, so you two can debate that one out between. Oh, I, know, I know everything I know from Dell. <laughs> Nina, it's a true story. Yeah. Uh, apart from his football knowledge, apart from that talk. Sorry. Yeah, apart from that, yeah, he learned everything from Del. Awesome, right, guys. You know what? I'm going to have to let you go, and we're going to kind of talk about your points before we get to Del. We'll give him a new, we'll give him some time to think of something new to to talk about. So, guys, thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you, and I'm so glad it was three points for you guys as well. Thanks, guys. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye, bye, bye. Cheers. Right, there were some good points there. And Dave, I'll come to you first on this one. So, um, you know, they kind of spoke about easy three points, a team that you don't stress out. And, you know, for me, that Arsenal game, like like I said, at nil-nil, I wasn't stressed out at all. I think you and I had a lot of um, football anxiety last season in terms of how we'd start off the game. So um, it's quite interesting that Dan kind of touched on the approach of the games and how it was kind of different this time round. So I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean... Which team do you most look forward to coming to Anfield? And would you agree that the approach was different, even though it was nil-nil and we didn't really start off like full-on gung ho, but we still look quite composed? I don't know if there's a bit of outcome bias here. <laughs> because, I mean, I remember, um, it's going back a little while now, but th- there's several games where Arsenal used to come to Anfield and we would absolutely pummel them like in terms of overall play, and then we'd still not win. Uh, There were a couple of four-alls in particular that that come to mind. And so I just think it's one of those teams that I I always kind of look for. You know, when the fixture list comes out, you have your certain teams that you're going to look out for, and Arsenal are always one of those. And I know Arsenal... It's for me, I'm not going to lie. Norwich is my team as well. But surely that's because you want to see how many goals we can score. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, United, Everton, but, but Arsenal have, have always been there. Ever since the late 80s, they, they've kind of been quite dangerous and they've been there or thereabouts most of the time. And so I, I think, I, I don't think it was a, a complete walkover today. Like I say, I, I think they play dangerous football. And I don't know where that is ever going to work in a place where you don't have the world's best players. When you're at Man City, when you're at Barcelona, and you've got the world's best players at your disposal, you can play this kind of tic-a-tac football, and it, it's fine. You can play it around at the back, and it looks great when it comes off. But football is a low-scoring game. It's not basketball. So you fuck that up once, and it changes the game. 
And so I think Arsenal did a, a decent job of frustrating us. And, you know, we looked like we, we, um, we weren't trying to force it. We weren't trying to throw bodies forward from the, the first few minutes. I, I think it was just KG, but I think it was controlled. I, I don't really feel like we were under pressure, you know, and, and I do think the, the Mane goal changed the whole game. And it made me happy, to be honest, because I think the the save that the lad Ramsdale made against Leicester was phenomenal. So hands down, it was a great save. But Jesus Christ, I am so sick of hearing the commentators absolutely, you know, go overboard with this lad. And, you know, leading up to that goal, he had some, he made some saves that were very saveable saves. I, I would yeah, be the Trent one, the Trent one was, yep. um, you know, again, they hyped that one up. I loved Sadio Mane kind of breakdancing over the ball um, uh, before he got his goal, when it yep. kind of went under his backside and he had to kind of manoeuvre himself. And yeah, he did. He And obviously he, he he was quite good on the reflexes for that one because he had to make a double save. It was Thiago first and then I think it was Sadio Mane, I can't remember. But mm-hmm. he, yeah, you're right, he did make a few saves. But that one, the the Trent one, for me, like Trent puts that in one of the corners, he ain't got a chance in hell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but you expect him to make that, and everyone's lauding him like he's the next David Seaman. So I, I don't know. Um, I actually thought for the Mane goal, he should have saved it. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I don't know if there was a real change in approach. At the end of the day, if you put Thiago and Fabinho in the middle of the park, and they're both on it, and you put Ox in there as well, who, to be fair, I think is playing some of the best football he has for a couple of years. Um, I, I think with that midfield ticking, it, it's just going to be a matter of time before we, we break through. Uh, but, you know, back to your original question... I'm never going to sit comfortably with playing Arsenal. Um, And that's just being burned by history, probably. But, you know, I I think the team did well. I think Arsenal will finish top six this year. I I think they are good enough to do that. So, you know, the fact that we've beaten 4-0 is more testament to us than it is a negative against Arsenal, I feel. Now, kind of like the point that um, you've made there, Dave, and uh, Guy, I'll come to you, and, and the point that I kind of like, and maybe you have to give some credit to Arsenal as well, is Dave, they're talking about, if you want to play that way, you better have the players, but how many times have we played the likes of West Brom who don't have the quality players and they park the bus and we get frustrated, like, that's not how you play football, and we get really angry and like I've like cussed them to God knows what levels on this podcast saying, you know, it's so negative. You don't want to see that. It's awful. It's dreadful. So, I mean, do we have to give them a little bit of credit for actually trying to play a, a certain type of football, albeit it was in a short period of time and pretty much soon as we went a goal ahead? Maybe it's because of, you know, the lack of quality and the lack of experience, but heads pretty much dropped at that point. I mean, for me, certainly in the second half, I literally, I have to agree with the lads. I had no idea what Arsenal were trying to do. I think their heads just went in the second half. I think first half they were doing it quite well. I think you had the odd situation where we caught them with a press or something like that, but we were catching them when they had men behind the ball, whereas in the second half we were catching them literally on the edge of their box, and it was like, what the hell are you doing? Um, So, yeah, I think you kind of see the development of Arsenal under Arteta 
But I think that's the difference. You, you look how they've tried to play out the back. It was basically like trying to play like Pep Guardiola Barcelona. Whereas when you look at teams who usually play against us, play out from the back, there's usually they usually spread out the play. But what I noticed in, in the second half was they were all stood next to each other. Like they were trying to play out from the back when they were stood like yeah. two yards away from each other. Whereas if you watch City try and play out from the back with it, the amount of space they leave, it just allows allows their players to pass into space. Whereas um, Gabriel passing to Tavares on the left back, they were like on each other's toes. So it was like it just made it our job easy, I think. So I think that's what they've got to uh, got to learn. Whereas you look how they obviously weren't pressing anywhere near as high as us, but. When you look at us play Man City, Matip and um, Van Dijk are not a lot better than um, Gabriel and Ben White, but they're basically left on an island and just pass where they want. Whereas teams like that, they're all stood all 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 over each other. But even like a couple of weeks ago, the Brighton game, they played out from the back better than Arsenal did. So maybe it is a coaching issue rather than a player issue. Um, but yeah, I'd rather them play like that than West Brom from a Liverpool point of view. Um hundred percent. Um but yeah I think I think they'll get better. I think it's just interesting. But um Dave brought up the point I think Cam did as well about um Thiago and Fabinho. Uh Beasley, Andrew Beasley's done done a stat thing. Um they played twelve games, won eleven, drew one, which I think was the Everton game. Wow. It might have been I think it was the Everton game where Mm. Our our souls died, yes. um, and we, we've scored thirty one and uh, conceded five. I presume that's what that means. So yeah, if them two are playing, I'm now going to go into any game confident because they're fantastic together. I don't think it matters who the third midfielder is, but I do agree Ox played really well. But if them two are on the pitch together, job done. I think Newcastle nice. two all apparently, Kenneth. I do not remember that game. Oh yeah, they. What? Oh, I remember that game. I think Dave Rue might have been on it when you were on it. I think they literally had a penalty or something. That something weird happened at the end. Ah, oh, last season it was so depressing. But they, they literally uh, we, we screwed it up right at the end. Yeah, I do remember it, but I want to forget it. So please, let, we're going to move on really, really swift. We're going to move on now, right? Um, let's go to our third caller. Hopefully, Dell has a new point to make. Um, let him dazzle us. Uh, the podcast genius. It is Dell. Dell, you on? Hey, Nina Hayden. Welcome back. It's Welcome good to be back. back, my friend. It's good to be back, my friend. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Dave, you big up. You, you guys are big up. And the Newcastle game that was mentioned was last season. When Remember when um, the Arsenal kid, you know when he scored last-minute goal? What's his name? You know, uh, the Arsenal kid that went on loan to Newcastle. Oh, Willock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know Willock. Oh. Yeah. So, oh, so basically... Yeah. Uh, Alex had maximum. He scored offside goal that was chalked off. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then within like uh, 30, 40 seconds later, yeah, they went and scored again. And it was like, what the fuck? You're ruining my vibe, though. Yeah, yeah don't worry, it. man. Yeah, Eddie Howe's back. <laughs> yeah, Eddie yeah. back at the wheels, anyway. Um, but yeah, just like I yeah, just wanted to emphasize the point. What was Arsenal doing playing Tavares at his like left back? Um, it was suicidal. Every single opportunity that we went attack that side, 
who's losing the ball, who's losing the uh, in the possession. Uh, you know, the second goal came down to him just you're just totally losing it. Um, yes, I don't know what he was trying to play out, but he just passed the ball to Diego Jota, and you know, he just scored. Um, but as in, in terms of the actual total gameplay, we were quite wasteful in terms of our possession and our interlink in the final third, which was quite concerning. Um, I think there was a couple of times when Jota was running through, all he had to do was just play the ball to Salah. I think that was on, uh, I think that was on the 25th minute. Yeah, all he had to do was just pass the ball to him and he's got open goal. Um, Aaron Ramsdale, he had a game of his life again. Um, you know, had it not been for Ramsdale, we would have been like 5 6 0 before half time. Honestly, honestly speaking. Um, but I'm telling you, yeah, uh, the, the taste of victory in a half doesn't taste too bad after the game against West Ham. I'm telling you, I was so pissed off in that West Ham game. Uh, finally, you know, it, it, you had the whole international period, you know, where you're stewing and stuff. It's like, come on, man. You know, you just want Liverpool to, to play and, you know, you know, just get rid, you know, just get rid of that, uh, you know, that losing taste, at, you know, out of the mouth. But boy, oh boy, 4 0, I was in. You know, the boys are back. Yeah, um, you know, we just need to, uh, you know, you know, just, you just grab a coattail of Chelsea for the time being because undoubtedly they are going to drop. Yeah, and the moment they drop, that's the moment we need to pounce. And if I believe right, in the, eighth, uh, the 1920 season, when we won the league, it was from the second international break from November up until uh, February, March, where we picked up a total of, uh, no, uh, yes, I believe it was maximum points aside from uh, the Watford game. So that's where the league title was won for us. So if we go on that kind of run again, an 11, 12 game winning streak, yeah, we won the league. I believe. I love the positivity. And I'm going to come to Guy on this one. Guy, I mean, what is the likelihood of us recreating that? Because one of the things that does concern me is um, the AFCON. Yeah, I think we kind of have to win, put ourselves in a position to be ahead of Chelsea and and City before AFCON, really. I think we have to build up a a, a buffer of some sort um, because... Let's be honest, we're getting hurt by it by more than anyone else in the world. I think City are losing Mares, who doesn't play for them. Chelsea are losing the first-choice goalkeeper, but they do have a £70 million backup, which isn't too bad to have. Um, so, yeah, we're getting hurt by it more than anyone. So, yeah, AFCON, we have to be at least in a, hand, a couple points in there, whether we're ahead or behind, but we have to be in there and, well... Not to be harsh to the lads, but we have to kind of hope that Senegal and Egypt, which are probably two of the favourites for it, don't do too well. For a Liverpool's perspective, but they probably will. And I imagine Senegal are the favourites countries in their squad. Um, Yeah, AFCON's just a bit of a bitch, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Maybe it's something we have to look at in January, but it's not the podcast to talk about that. Um, But yeah, AFCON, AFCON's the worry. I think we're very capable of going on a run. It just the busy period, we we saw our bench today. It is great to see the young lads on there, but if we had a more difficult game on, 
we aren't seeing Tyler Morton come on for 10 minutes, are we? So we, we need people back for this running. I know we've got two pretty much spare games in the Champions League. Maybe that means we can take the League Cup game a tad more seriously, which I think is just before Christmas. I should really know that, seeing as I'll be covering the bastard. I actually hope <laughs> we don't, if I'm honest. <clears throat> I still stand by that. Don't give a shit about the League Cup. I don't give a damn about the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I have to talk about it, I kind of hope we do, because I don't want to talk yeah, about kids yeah, again. Yeah, I don't want to talk yeah, about kids again for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, me and Dave just talk about Minamino and Origi for an hour. That tends to be yeah. how it goes. Um, yeah, but it, 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 it is a good opportunity. I mean, we've got them two spare games, as I mentioned. But yeah, this run, this run is key. This run is key. Because I'm not sure what the fixture difficulty is, but we've played Man City, we've played Chelsea... We've played United at the perfect time. What other tough teams have we got? Tottenham? Tottenham. Tottenham. Yeah. And I can't, I can't remember what Klopp's record was like against Conte, to be honest. But his Chelsea team was a lot better than his Spurs team, that's for sure. So I'm guessing it's not too difficult to run if Tottenham's the only one left. So yeah, it, it is key. It is key, obviously. But um, I do have confidence in his doing well. It's just... I think it's just the injuries cost. Yes. We, we, the midfield is... We mentioned um, Fabinho and Thiago playing together, but how often can they play together? Because I think if them two are fit, I think you can get away with it if Keita replaces Thiago. But I think we've seen this season, if it's not Thiago or Keita playing that the one role next to him, it doesn't really work out that well. So if them three can stay fit, I think it can bring balance to the midfield. But if not, we might see more games like Brighton and uh, Brentford and hopefully not as bad as West Ham, but the midfield injuries are the key. I think that's what it is. Absolutely. And what about yourself, Dave? I mean, anything you want to add on there about, you know, the the, the running, the fixtures? I mean, let's kind of look at some of these fixtures, actually, in this little period. I think next we play Southampton, right? So, I mean, we've got to look at the calibre of the teams that we're playing as well. And I think... Um, Guy hit the nail on the head there with regards to, you know, teams that we're playing. So, okay, we've got Southampton next weekend, then it's Everton, then it's Wolves, then it's Villa, ooh, Steven Gerrard, uh, Newcastle, and then Spurs, and then Leeds, and then Leicester City. That's like our pretty much all our running during Christmas. So, I mean, talk to me about that, because obviously the teams that you play are important. And also um, the, the injuries, because that's my biggest concern right here right now. Uh, the fact that, you yeah. know, we, we do have people like Firmino that I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but it looks pretty pretty lengthy and stuff. And these are my concerns. So I think our first 11 can, and let's say first 14 to maybe 16, can win all of those games. But the big difference between us and the Man Cities, the Chelsea's, is the squad. I, I remember um, 2009. We absolutely had the best first 11. But the big difference was when the fixtures were piling up, when we had to play a Champions League game, when we had to play like a league game or, you know, some other cup game, and we rotated, then there was a massive drop-off in performance. And I just, I feel like this year, you know, last year was the defence, or central defence specifically, and and we were just decimated by injuries. And it feels like that's happening this year since, you know, with the midfield. And, you know, Genie 
has his detractors. I, I, I don't know myself why he isn't a bigger legend than he is. I, I loved the guy. I thought he was brilliant, had some great moments for us. But he was there every goddamn week. And, you know, we've had such, you could say, bad luck with injuries and whatever. But, you know, whether it's bad luck, whether it's just muscle injuries or whatever, we have been decimated in that area. And so we're a third of the way through the league season. And I think it's too early to, you know, look at individual fixtures and say, oh, well, if we win this game and we, you know, we can pick up a point here, point there. It's too early for that for me. I think the squad is going to be the the biggest rate limiting step for us. And I just hope if we can get through to January, I don't want to, you know, pray for signings or what have you. But this squad are going to do really well. And actually, I, I just want to take a moment as well. We have just beaten Arsenal 4-0 at home. And if you look at the money that we've spent, compared to the other teams around us, I think we're massively outperforming still. So we can pick holes in, you know, this could have gone better and that could have gone better. Honestly, right now, I'm still trying to just breathe it in. Because this is a great time for us. What what Klopp has built around this whole squad, around this whole club, he's massively outperforming where we should be. And I think we should enjoy it. We absolutely should. We absolutely should. And sorry, Della, I had to mute you there because we were getting some background noise. Guys, uh, thank you so much for all the callers there. Uh, we're going to just take a real quick break. I will be, we'll be back shortly. So just hang in there and enjoy the ads. Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Mulby and Sir Kenny Dalglish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, we'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms, with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. And we're back. A massive thank you to all our callers. G's on toast, um, uh, Bargy, Cam and Dan Kenny, and of course Dell. Thank you so much for calling. Really enjoyed your insight and your input. And Gags Tandon, of course, completely forgot about him. He was the first one. Gosh, this show's been going on for ages. Right, guys, um, it's just us three now. So I think we've kind of talked about the Sadio Mane goal. I think what we need to do is and we need to kind of quickly talk about the goals because they were awesome. And, you know, we scored four and, you know, it's nice to talk about a win. So. I'm going to come to you, Guy. I mean, let's let's talk about the composure of Diego Jota for that goal. I mean, how absolutely wonderful was that goal? You know, just uh, two sat two players on their ass and just slots it past, and it's like, thank you very much, right in front of the cop. You love to see it, and I just, for me, again, like we we love the Diego Jota. He's he's amazing. I think he's been such a great signing for Liverpool, and um, I love the fact that 
every time he gets the ball, he always has, has this willingness to kind of have a shot on goal. But for me, that was very different because he actually showed a little bit of technique. I love a goal where you sit people down. It's like the best one. We saw Salah do it like two weeks in a row where it was different level, but it's almost better because it was against Ramsdale who was getting hyped to to fuck, really. Yes. <laughs> Make, making saves which were basically shot at him. And it's like, oh my God, he's made a great save. It's like, fucking hell. I mean, the, whilst we're on Jota, the, the only bad thing on Jota, he literally shot the ball. The way Ramsdale was on one of the open goal chances, just so he could save a ball straight at him, which pissed me off. But his goal was fucking lovely. It really was. Um, I can't remember the defender he sat down. Um, but Tavares was great for us, like playing loads of through balls. But Jota, composure and embodied really. He was he's great in front of goal. Like it might sound stupid considering we have Salah in the team, but. In a situation like that, he's probably the one you'd rather have. I think he just seems to be the most strikery, if that makes sense. The most number nine type, whereas Salah's obviously been a winger or a second forward most of the time. Jota, Jota looks like... I'm not Gets saying the ball like, and he wants to shoot his directing. Yeah. Directing. yeah. yeah. He kind of reminds me of, like, obviously not as mental as like Suarez, but there is little bits and bobs of Suarez that remind me of him. Um it's he just really composed and he seems to have a a real versatile shooting armory. How the hell am I meant to know that? A bit of fowler about him, isn't there? I'm too I'm too young for that, Dave. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Bill oh. <laughs> Kevin Keegan. No, no, sorry. I know. Anyway, the new the Newcastle manager. <laughs> Uh, you have, to, you have to go like CC onwards for me, Dave. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he just he seems like a natural scorer, and that obviously the difference between him and, him and Firmino. And I think Dell mentioned it when he when he rang in. The couple times attacks did break through round him, but he seems. I think he is improving in that regard in terms of linking play. But what that is the unique thing he brings. Whether it's Mane, Salah, Jota, or Firmino, he he's just lethal in front of goal, and he seems he seems to be the best header of the ball. He hasn't shown it today, but most of his goals earlier in the season were all headers. So he's just a real versatile scorer, and I really like that. And obviously, we don't know how how long Firmino's out for, but he's going to get a lot of opportunities to um to kind of re-cement his place, which he seemed to do at the start of the season. So yeah, I might have to put him back in my fantasy team. Well. As long as you don't jinx him. I mean, and Dave, I'll come to you because for me, uh, he was the guy and, you know, last season who I felt like was another big injury crisis in terms of when he went out because, like, the strikers just looked like they just weren't doing their job, you know, in terms of scoring. You know, they just weren't getting the chances. They were being a little wasteful. And then, obviously, he gets injured. And I felt his signing certainly injected some kind of um, new uh, inspiration, a bit of diversity into our front, into our front three. And, you know, again you know, maybe challenge their places as well. I mean, it's great to see him score that kind of goal. I mean, talk me through um, how you felt when that goal went in and, you know, just your thoughts about it in general. Oh, I just, I thought it was so composed. It, it reminds you of the Bobby goal. Uh, I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before. 
when, like I say, it just looks so great when all the players are just on their arse and he's just completely sold them the other way. I thought it was great of the Arsenal player. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it was Tavares who just passed it straight to him. So it put the whole Arsenal team on the back foot. Um, but he still had a lot to do there. And it was just great to see him do that. I think he's been brilliant since he's come in. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have the same kind of craft and guile that Bobby has, you know, but certainly when he came in, he scored a lot of goals and he just looks like a, a little bundle of energy. And I just, that front three that had been the front three for, you know, a few years became a front four, but now it's a front three again, isn't it? And you sort of just worried, okay, if one of them breaks down now, like who comes in there? I don't think. Minimino, even though his goal rate is weird. One touch, one goal. Bizarrely, <laughs> like, uh, stupidly off the scale. You know, I think I saw um, Simon Brundish tweet that he's got a goal or assist every 38 minutes or something. Yeah, I saw that as well, um, yeah. But I, I, I'm not sure. He doesn't offer that explosive energy that I think the other three do. But, um, no, I think for me, it, it was good to get that goal. When, when there's only one goal in it, it's always a bit nervy and and you always want to, you know, stretch out that lead. And so it was great. Brilliant composure from a a great little player that honestly, let's face it, when we bought him, I don't don't think anyone really saw he was going to become that player. So, you know, it's another tick for the scouting department, isn't it? We we keep saying that, don't we? I mean, yeah very good signing, good addition to to the team. And I think he's become a very, very special, important player. And it's good to see him getting on the score, on the score sheet. And Guy, I will come to you. And one thing I love is when the front three all get a goal. And it's not a game if only Mosala, you know, like that's that. And uh, Mosala back at it again. And I love them, you know, the kind of link up between him and Marnie. I like the fact that, you know, they kind of celebrate together. Not that it means anything, but I feel like the media and certainly just, just, um, the online community in general like to kind of build up this kind of four rivalry between them. I think it's a healthy rivalry, not a not a malicious one. But I love the fact that, you know, they kind of pass to each other and, you know, Marnie was delighted to see him score. And I mean, for me, Mosala is just exceptional. And I, I believe he was doing crazy things whilst I was been away from football. So that's always good. There's just a few things. Yeah. <laughs> Just a few things. Just a few against Watford and uh, yeah. everyone else he scored against as well. Um, yeah, he's been all right this season. Could do better, I think. Um, more Salah is a freak of nature. Um, he just is like... Carragher gave him man of the match, which kind of... I, I wasn't really thinking when I was thinking who, who was the best player. I, he didn't really pop in my head, but... In that second half, every time he touched the ball, he he did stuff and he, yes. he pressed really well. Like that Tavares, who I didn't see it, but apparently he did an interview saying Mo Salah doesn't know who I am at the min, but after the game he probably will. He, yeah, he probably will. You're the one who you got more assists than Salah in this game, so he probably fucking does know who you are. Um, <laughs> it's he's he's just. Like, even the last couple of games where he hasn't been his godly best, I think he still ended the games with with assists. I mean, I think the more stupidly statty assists where he's won a free kick or whatever and, and got an assist that way, but he's still getting numbers. 
And that's what he is. He's a numbers freak, and he's just undeniable at this point. Like, even if he didn't score today, he still just had them on strings most of the game, or especially the second half. He, he's got to that stage where, I don't want to say his reputation is, is before his actual performance, but he's scaring people into mistakes before he's even doing anything. And I think you only see that with the real elite. You see that with your with your Messi's, your Ronaldo's of five years ago. Um, and even Neymar for a little bit, Suarez for a bit. But that that's the level, level he's at now. He's just always involved and it, it's just class to see. And most importantly, just give him a contract. <laughs> just give him a goddamn contract. I don't care what it is. Just give him one. Give him whoever's. Give him Milner's. Give him Klopp's. I don't care. Um, he just need, We just need to keep this bloke because he's the best in the world. He's 100% the best in the league. I'd say he's best in the world. He's just a freak of nature. Give him a blank contract with whatever number he wants and he can stay for as long oh, as he don't, wants. Don't do that. Don't do that. No. <laughs> it, did, it didn't end well for Ferdinand. <laughs> just don't say those words. I, I get well, the sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could. We, there's there's definitely one of them Joe videos in there. If we get a picture of Michael Edwards or Julian Ward and then put Salah signed <laughs> a contract, I mean, that would be the most retweeted thing in Twitter history. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll choose my language more carefully. But we, we need to keep this bloke because he is he's he's an all time great for for Liverpool, and this is Liverpool. We've had well, generational like teams. Yes, yeah, yes. It's, yeah. You... Uh, it's not easy doing that. It absolutely isn't. And Dave, I'll, I'll come to you because I think, you know, Guy made a really good point there about, you know, Mo Salah certainly kicking on, certainly more so in the second half. But for me, I mean, I like the fact that, you know, uh, there was the shout out for him being man of the match. And I was actually thinking Trent um, in that game. And, and it's mad because the, the creativity and certainly where we looked the most dangerous was on the right hand side. And them two just work so well together anyway, in, in general, on that side. But talk to me about Mo Salah, just what he means, to, um, and, you know, just that goal. I mean, for me, it was just like, yeah, just standard, typical Mo Salah. You can do it, it all. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've got to give credit. I think it, it was brilliant because Jota headed it through. Mane broke down the left, crossed it to, to Mo, and, you know, he ended up tapping it in. So all the front three were involved in that. It was just absolutely beautiful to watch. Um, I, I'm I'm struggling to rack my brains for a better player that I've seen play for Liverpool. I've seen players like Suarez, like Torres, McManaman have you know seasons when they've been unplayable, but Mo has just done it consistently for years now, and he's just this freak of nature, and 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 he's. He's weird because we kind of come away from the game and think, oh, if only you'd have put this one away, or if only you'd have done that. You know, he could have done a bit more. But his his stats are off the charts, and and not only just his assists and it, and his goals, what he does for the team as well, the way he creates space for others, the way he puts the fear of God into defenders now when he he kind of moves the ball from left to right and people are thinking, oh, is he going to do a, a City or a Watford against us? You know, his feet look way quicker. He's like Neo in the Matrix. He, he can just see it all coming in slow motion. And uh, 
I, I'd have to say, hand on heart, I think he's the best player I've ever seen play for us. Um, I, and I do agree. I jest about the whole thing because I, I just love to go back to that Ferdinand video where he's doing the whole Ollie, give him a contract thing. Gosh, yeah. But it, I, and, and I just love it. And unfortunately, after tonight, I don't think I'm going to be able to, to go back to it again. But um, yeah, Mo, we need to tie him up. And he... <laughs> The thing is, when when literally, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, time up. Uh, <laughs> I was going to go sinister there. Just, just do whatever. Get him to stay. Um, no, we need to keep him. Uh, but he looks so happy playing for us. You know, when when the likes of Torres left and Suarez, you could see that. You know, they they wanted to go on to something else. And I, I feel in my bones, and, and obviously I'm biased, but, you know, he wants to stay. So I just, I don't quite know what is, is stopping us there other than just finances. But Jesus Christ, how much money would it take to to replace Mo Salah right now? And I was having a, a back and forth with a, a mate of mine, and he was talking about this nonsense kind of speculation or oh, Mbappe's contract's running out I'm like well, fuck off I would take Mo Salah's contract right now any day of the week before I'd take Mbappe plus Mbappe wants to go to Madrid well, but but even if you know you could do a whole fantasy mm. fairy godmother thing I, I don't care you cannot deny what he has done for this club and yeah the, the fact that I'm struggling to think of a better player that has played for us says it all. I I just think we do need to tie him down. Obviously, if, if he decides for himself that, you know, no financial reasons, no nothing for his career, he wants to go somewhere else, then I'll, I'll be gutted, but I'll say good luck to you Uh, because he's been absolutely brilliant for us, but I will be a little bit heartbroken as well, of course. I just think I'd be distraught if it's a financial thing that's going to stop us. Yeah, because he's pretty much said, Annie, that he wants to stay here and stuff. So, you know, uh, please, you know what? Um, Whilst I've been away from football, I know Edwards is leaving as well. So, you know what, Liverpool, give me some good news and let's just sign more Salah down. That would be great. And Dave, I'm going to stick with you. The final goal, you spoke about Taki there. Um, a club made two subs in that instance, Henderson and um, Taki came on. And um, we've got to talk about the fourth goal because they were all so diverse. But this is a lovely team goal. And, uh, you know, one thing I loved was the fact that two subs were involved in it. You know, Henderson kind of starting that off to Mane. To, then Mane passes it over to Salah, to Trent. And then Trent gets his second assist for Taki Minamino. Big smile on his face. The whole team were absolutely buzzing for him. Thank you very much. Uh, literally the first touch of, it's first touch of the game, I think, as well. He literally just it came was. on and got a goal. I was like, yeah. this is hilarious. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it was brilliant. I, and I love to see him do well. I, I think, yes. you know, when we saw him play against us and, and we thought, oh, wow, Christ, this yeah. kid is good. And then we got him for like eight million and we're thinking, this is the, this is the steal of the century. And it hasn't quite worked out for him, I don't quite know why i remember you know last season we were lauding him because you know he, had, he kicked us off on a was it seven nil in the end against crystal palace he scored the yeah. first goal and then we hardly saw him again and he got shipped off to southampton there's something not quite working for him 
I, I don't know what it is, uh, but his goal return is, is phenomenal. And uh, no, was, I was delighted to see, you know, the first touch of the game just pops it in. But it was just the cherry on top of a great team move. And um, yeah, I, I do think I would love to see him just move out of that stalwart kind of phase and and really kind of push and become a genuine contender because if you think about it like you know Jota's come in and he's right there he's pushing for the front 11 every week whereas Minamino you always feel like well injuries have to happen or it's got to be a a league cup game or something like that and he he often does well but if everyone's fit he's he's not got sniff so um yeah, delighted for him. Really, really pulling for him to do well. But, uh, you know, he, he he still just has to do a bit more. But, yeah, absolutely agree with you, Nina. Great team move. It was. I, I love a well-worked team goal. And, I mean, I'll come to you, um, Guy. I mean, speak to me about Minamino. I think it was Cam that said it. I, I foresee him having more of an involvement. I think it was Cam or Nick Turner's so apologies. One of the awesome callers made a point that, you know, maybe more of Minamino whilst the lads are away on AFCON duties. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think, you know, Dave kind of touched on that we didn't see an awful lot of Minamino. And I think, you know, it must have been the players not up to speed. I also felt like Jurgen Klopp was giving him like last three minutes of injury time to do something, which is absolutely stupid because he's not going to do anything in three minutes. Yeah. You know, it's just not going to happen. And this time around, we saw a bit more Minamino where he had a bit more involvement in the game. And I think you kind of mentioned them. Uh, I think um, Dave mentioned the Cyber and this stat on Minamino as well, albeit they might have been in the Capital One Cup or the League Cup or whatever. But he is having a good goal return, be it goals or assists. So I'm thinking now, is Jurgen Klopp actually planning and thinking about the future and thinking I've got to get him involved in more high-risk games earlier on to see how he gets on? Because that's the only way the guy gets a fair trial. Yeah, I think we have to get him starts, regardless of um, if, it's a, if it's a huge game or not. I mean, all the Premier League games are huge, obviously, but I, I want to see him start against Porto midweek. I want to see him start against Milan in a couple of weeks. Um, obviously, Leicester, he'll obviously start because me and Dave need something to talk about. Um yeah, we, we need to get him to see minutes because what have we got? We got Porto midweek, Southampton, then it's a game every every midweek till the new year, I think. Yeah, pretty much till till the FA Cup game and we obviously bin that off. Um so yeah, we're gonna have two games a week or three games a week, depending on when it is, but we need to get him involved. We don't know when Firmino's back as well. He could be weeks, but we know Liverpool like to lie about stuff like that. So we ain't we don't know when for me. He'll be back. So he he is the fourth choice forward at the minute. Or him and Origi. I'm not sure when Origi. I'm, I'm guessing Origi will be back because I think they said illness or he might have been recovering from his knock um, from the international break still. But yeah, we, we need to get Minamino involved. We need to get Origi involved and them two spare Champions League games. I think you need to give him decent minutes in there, um, and then. If if the lads are tired, because they will. I mean, Jota gets subbed off a lot. More pretty much plays every minute, and so does Mane. But they're not going to be able to do that three times a week. So, yeah, we're going to have to get um, Minamino and Origi by extension a lot of minutes. And I'd like to see it start midweek, to be honest. And, um, yeah, out, out of the two, I think Origi 
I know Origi's weird. Last season he was dreadful, and this season he seems to be quite good, whereas Minamino... Minamino seems to be quietly effective whenever he's played, really. Um, so I'd like to see more of Minamino than Origi, to be honest, because I know what Origi is. But, yeah, they they need to be involved because... We need them up to. We need them involved before Afcon, but we need them up to speed, and we need. Well, to be honest, we need to see what they can do because, depending on, as we mentioned earlier, we depending on how well um, Egypt and Senegal do, and in Guinea, if Kate is alive by then, um, we might need to address stuff in January. But they they have probably this month, or the remainder of this month in December, to play themselves into minutes in January. Yeah, we'll see how this one pans out. I definitely see Minamino starting um, against Porto. Um, I've just got a feeling it, it kind of has to happen. We'll have to watch us watch the space on that one, um, uh, which uh, uh, quite a little plug. Euro Incision will be back. Um, uh, once again, a massive thank you for Guy Drinker for stepping in. Um, we'll be taking over. It should be fun. And um, guys, is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I feel like we've been going on for quite a while. Is there anything? Um, uh, I feel like we should close this pod off now. I think the callers were awesome today and you guys were excellent. So. Dave, I'll come to you. Any anything you kind of want to mention? Anything that you feel needs to shout out? Feel free. I was uh, <laughs> saying to a mate of mine. Oh, I hope uh, Horton comes on. You know, at the at the weekend, he's like Horton. Who the hell are you talking about? And I, I was getting confused with the old Doctor Zeus. Horton, here's a who. <laughs> Fucking Morton uh, came on today, and I, I like this lad. He, he, he looks to me like he just blends in. He doesn't stand out at all. He doesn't look out of place. I think there's going to be a real player there. So he doesn't have the same kind of... Uh, he's not at the same level as, as some of the other guys there in the first team, but um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him blended into the team as well, especially you know with all the injuries that we've got. I think he's possibly going to get his chance. So... Uh... Yeah, no, that was that was a positive for me that he got a few minutes and didn't look out of place. Jurgen Klopp having the last lap on Arteta by playing a toddler. What can I say, Jurgen? <laughs> uh, you know, brilliant stuff. Yeah, uh, we'll have to we'll have to watch. And I, I like the fact that the way these kids get introduced. I remember Johns came on against Bournemouth whilst we were just cruising, and I think that is the perfect time to kind of introduce your youngsters. And it was great to see the same happen with uh, Morton this time round. And what about you, Guy Grinkle? Uh, I think Dave mentioned him uh, slightly earlier on. Ox was fantastic in this game, I mm-hmm. thought. I think he had the odd sloppy moment where he should have passed it and he tried to dribble past a few people, but you kind of expect that with Ox because he's that type of player. But I think defensively he was spot on. He, he stopped a free header. I can't remember what attacking player it was, but he, he did well tracking back, which has been our problem, in, in especially in right-sided midfield. Um, I think he defended really well. His pressing was fun, like up there was fantastic um so yeah i think ox i don't think he'll keep the starting spot because well we have to rotate midfield anyway and henderson tends to play his position but he's kind of i think he's done enough in the last few games especially with the champions league games to to be reconsidered as a a proper squad option and i think that's kind of been the story with our midfield this season nabby's nabby's done enough to to be a squad option ox is kind of do it i'm not saying it's something yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it's something we don't have to address, but at least they're showing to Klopp they can be somewhat rely- relied upon, which, I mean, the last couple of seasons we never really saw them, have we? So as long as they play as long as long they play well or okay to, to very good, 
when they get minutes, it's great to see. So hopefully, Ock keeps it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, we need we need bodies in that midfield, and it's good to have like a direct player like uh, Ox Chamberlain. So yeah, it's a wonderful. And again, you talked about the pressing. The gags enjoy that one certainly in the second half, and even in the first half. You know, um, good luck. I'm just smiling. Just make up the stats, guys. Man of the match. Who are your shouts? And I'm going to come to Dave first on this one. Dave, who's your man of the match? Oh, that is a tough one because. I, I do think we had a lot of contenders. I, th- I think Trent um, looked really, mm-hmm. you know, up to his best. And I know yes. last season at the start when, you know, he had a bit of COVID and stuff, uh, he he looked a bit dodgy. But I I just think he looks like such a Rolls Royce. Thiago, I thought, controlled that midfield. He, he looked so silky as well. He gave, gave a little bit of sloppy pass away in the first half, which I wasn't very happy about um thought the the back two looked solid um ox as as you know we've just talked about there i thought looked really really good i think i'm gonna have to go salah i i just Mm -hmm. i i can't i'm trying to you know challenge myself in my brain right now am i just on that wave of mo right now um but i just think he he gives us such an option, and when the ball comes to him, it just feels like something's going to happen. And it's not just a feeling, you know, something is effective. You see the whole team moving around him. You know, he creates space for others. Uh, obviously popped up with his goal there, um, got an assist as well. I, I thought he was brilliant. So it's probably not the uh, the most outlandish choice, but yeah, Salah for me. It's not a bad one as well. It is Mosalat. It is like to be expected. He is phenomenal. And what about you, Guy Drinkle? Who's your man of the match? Why? I'll just put mine out there. I'm going to give it to Trent. I just thought, you know what? In terms of assists, in terms of everything, it's good to see him getting back to where he was. Um, for me, he had a really, really good game. I thought, even when it was at nil nil, and when I, you know, I was a bit touch and go with um, you know, Sadio Mane in the first half. I felt like from the right hand side, I, I felt like there was a more composure, there was more directness. Mm-hmm. Um, for for those reasons, I'm going to give it to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Got two assists in this game as well, I believe. So, I think those are quite good numbers. I'm going to be different. I'm going to say Thiago. Nice. I thought first half when we were a bit more patient. I thought he was our best player, apart from getting caught on the ball once. And mm. second half, he just kept really directing the the flow of the game, and uh, nobody was pressing him, or they couldn't really press him. He was. Threading through balls, he was breaking the lines all the time. I thought he was excellent, and it's good to have him back, really. And he almost played 90 minutes, which is good to see, considering he's been protected since he came back. I love those shouts. I love the fact that all three went somewhere completely different, and we're just going to leave it to the people listening. Give us your shouts for Man of the Match. Um, it's it's a, hey, Listen... It's a good it's a good performance when you've got different man of the match shouts in my opinion. So I'm smiling ear to ear. Right, guys, that is the end of the Nina Kaza show. A massive thank you to everyone that called in. A massive thank you to everyone that joined us live. It's great to be back. A massive thank you to these two awesome gents. But before I let them go, I'm gonna give them the mics again so they can tell you where they can find where you can find them on Twitter and some plugs perhaps. So Dave, I'll come to you first. Where can people find you on Twitter and if there's anything you'd like to plug, my friend? So you can get me on Seattle Dojos on Twitter. Uh, or if you want to have me in your ears again, you can get me at the BHS Strikes Back. 
or comics in motion as well excellent do follow do follow um dave he's he's excellent and cam's just messaged us here and he goes according to Baji, arteta is man of the match we don't win it without fisticuffs that is a great shout. I love that. <laughs> it might actually go to an opposition for once. And what about you, Guy? Where can people find you on Twitter, my friend? And anything you'd like to plug because you are like the busiest man in podcasting history. I'm usually in the background now, so it's not too bad. Um, but at Guy Drinkle on Twitter, I'm sure most of you follow me because I'm always on the bloody tweets. Um, but actual pods I'll be on, I'll be doing Rate Don't Hate. I think that's probably the only one I'll be actually on so it'll just be this but with numbers so yeah have fun with that <laughs> yeah and and harass guy drinkle for fantasy football tips because you know i've been corrected he's actually very good at it also he was on the main ai pod as well where he's a quiz champion legend has it so you know hey. do check that out she does listen she knows I do see. I uh, I might have been away, but I've been listening to content. So, guys, um, there's going to be some awesome content coming your way this week. Um, I'll be back with Euro Incision as well. Um, everything's kicking off nicely. It's great to be back. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Have an awesome weekend. And then, and up at, gotta put my teeth back in. Till next time, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.